RadioInfluence.com. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Friday edition of the Dark Delight Podcast with TGI Frankly <laughs> and You couldn't have said TGI Friday Val. No, because I just I, I I took a mental note from last last week that it would be more smooth if I just take advantage of the F. Yeah, well, that doesn't seem to work out for you. Either. I know, I know. I stuttered for the second time in a row. It's great. Beans. <laughs> <laughs> Declare it. We have so much to talk about today. Obviously, it has been an absolute crazy week. Um, you know, in terms of factual information about this raid that happened on Monday at Mar-a-Lago, there's not too much more to share other no. than other than that stupid piece that came out in Newsweek that I completely destroyed. Did you see it? Uh, no. Which? Okay. Oh, I, I saw a headline from New Newsweek. I just don't. I didn't read it though. Well, they talked to somebody within the administration. Oh, or within is, this, the, is this the whole mole thing? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, sort of. They talked to somebody who works for the government in the intelligence community who was only was not authorized to speak because of the, you know, nature of the, quote, investigation. They have standards. Of course they do. Of course they do. And, like, the story they wove was so unbelievable and stupid. It's like, it, it was so dumb. The, 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 I'm trying to find it now. The gist of it was basically that they didn't want to make a big fuss about things. So they waited until he was in New York and then they like slowly snuck their way in with 50 agents and <laughs> they, they didn't think there would be such a, a big, uh, a big outcry over it. They thought they could keep it under wraps. Right. Here, it says undercover mole inside Mar-a-Lago. The raid on Mar-a-Lago was based largely on information from an FBI confidential human source who was able to identify what classified documents President Trump was still hiding and even the location of those documents. Hiding. To see, Hi- yeah, hiding. It's, it's, it's use of words like that when you, when you read these articles. They, they don't have to they don't have to go over the top with anything. They just have to use a couple of things that indicate there is nefarious action involved. I mean, hiding it. Another piece I read this morning called Victor David Davis Hansen, a conservative presidential historian, because now there's a difference between them. He was never I, I don't remember him ever being like a staunch conservative. I don't know. But anyway, they say here. um, Two senior government officials tell Newsweek that. And then they say the officials who have direct knowledge of the FBI's deliberations and were granted anonymity in order to discuss sensitive matters said the raid of Donald Trump's Florida residence was deliberately timed to occur when he was away. And he said the um, FBI decision makers in Washington, Miami, thought that denying the former president a photo opportunity or a platform from which to grandstand or or thwart the raid. Because, yeah, one man is really going to thwart an FBI raid with like local law enforcement, FBI agents after he had just apparently met with them a month earlier or two months earlier and shook their hands as they were rifling through his shit. Yeah. And they say that they thought this would lower the profile of the event. Oh, just just please. So we thought this would lower the profile. Of course, we still had the the uh, the armed men. We still had the machine guns outside. And we we thought nobody would notice. Jeez, calm down. They say that they were preparing for this weeks ago. The raid was scheduled with no political motive. The the sole intent was recovering highly classified documents that were illegally removed from the White House. And then I say to myself, the confidential human source said, yes, you have to go into this safe. They bring their safe crackers. They open up the safe and it's freaking empty. There's what what in the ever like. So then what happens? Then what happens? Do you do you say why do you spend another nine hours in Melania's closet sniffing her underwear? Hmm. That's true. Like it's like uh, Paulie Walnuts going into Christopher's apartment. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> um, so that that story goes on. I'm going to put a thread that I did where I basically unfurled this entire story, and then Merrick Garland comes out yesterday for three minutes and thirty seconds, and basically 
condemns threats against the FBI and says, we don't usually talk about stuff like this, but because of the overwhelming severity of this, we're going to. And then says, um, I'm not going to stand idly by while people insult the uh, the people I work with every day. And by the way, we're, we're going to release the warrant affidavit and the list of contents that were taken. Right. Fine. Stop. That's not going to tell us anything. And the fact that they're releasing the list of what they took tells me that they're going to put something embarrassing on there Mm. because otherwise there'd be no reason to release that. The warrant's going to say we're coming in here to look in these three places for this. The warrant was signed here. They're not releasing the affidavit behind the warrant, which is what would have told us what their supposed probable cause was. And I pulled up a case, the Schulte case that I'm still following. He's still um, he was convicted on on, you know, all the espionage charges and all that. But he still has pending charges. Joshua Schulte does. And he has a government issued laptop because he's defending himself. So the the state gave him a laptop to do his work on. And they came into his jail cell and they or wherever he keeps it. And they randomly they had a search warrant for this laptop that he was using to prepare his own defense. They took the laptop. His other attorneys representing him in some other matters petitioned the court saying, hey, we want to see why it is you thought it was okay." to come in here and grab this laptop from this dude while he's in the middle of preparing his defense on it. And the government said, no, actually, we're not going to show you that. There's no need to. It was filed under seal. And if you need to see what's in it, you will if there's a discovery reason. Like, in other words, if we we level more charges on this dude, then because we'll have to provide it under that circumstance, he'll see it. Otherwise, it'll stay under seal, which is precisely what I think is going to happen with this one. Uh, okay, so let me let me cut to the chase. What do you think the main point of my of last night's show for me was? My, I listened to the Newt Gingrich comments on Laura Ingram about the type of people that are are doing these operations. He actually defined them as evil, which I thought was great. Mm-hmm. That opened up a whole doorway of things to talk about. But the one thing that I had to ask the audience, as far as a pointed question goes, was what do you think the reaction would be? Because, you know, this is what they're really hoping for. Merrick Garland would love to be the guy that delivers a disqualifying conviction to Donald Trump. But there is an equally important psychological impact that is tied to this operation. And that is the psychological impact of a situation where Donald Trump is clapped in handcuffs and taken into custody, even just for a day, even just shortly enough so that there can be pictures taken of him in custody. I, uh, what do you think the reaction to that is? And what, what, do, you, what do you think the probability of that is? I, I think it's a, there's a high probability, maybe a little bit less today than yesterday. But I think there's a high probability that he gets arrested, actually. And um, I think that the reaction to that is is I just I don't know how much more people can take, Frank. I don't know. I don't know what people are going to do. Let me tell you, there's so much more here, but. As a segue, yesterday, some idiot, because I, I, I don't even know. Can I call him a patsy? I don't even know. I don't know what this po- was supposed to be, but it was so ridiculous. Some guy went to the FBI headquarters in what was it? Ohio? Don't, don't quote me on that. But he went there. Did you see it? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Cincinnati office. Yeah. Okay. So it was Ohio. So he went to yeah, Ohio was, yeah. with a nail gun, with a nail gun. A nail gun and apparently had some kind of a standoff there, fled. The FBI followed him. They were in a cornfield shooting at each other for nine hours. And he's dead. Well, no, I I heard the nail gun thing. But then somehow a because I I, the reporting here in New York, I saw it on television when I was at the hospital yesterday, said that there was a. Uh, an exchange of fire with, of course, the always problematic AR style rifle. Oh, that's a, oh. So uh, somehow an AR style rifle got involved, right? But there, but but there, but the the nail gun started it all. So I don't, I don't get it. And he was wearing body armor, right? Oh, well, here, well, pretty much this is what it comes down to. Uh, if I can just expand on what I saw uh, yesterday, because it's it's very it's very obvious what they're building up here. But the real thing here is that they got a um, they are the, the, the narrative that they're boiling down is that you have a sympathetic 
group of people. That is the FBI. They are a good group of people that are doing a very hard job in tough times. And the backdrop is that they have to deal with a this this rising tide of homegrown, uh, you know, d- domestic terrorism, anti-government terrorism, and 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 that's what we're up against here. And that uh, the more Oh, the, the conspiracy theory, unfounded conspiracy theories about the FBI. It's bringing threats down and they're receiving threats and we have people showing up with nail guns now. And so it, it's very, it's very, very, very easy to see what they have built up as far as a a narrative and uh, how small the box is. Oh, yeah, it's it's easy, especially as just a f- as this all was going on. Another whistleblower report came forward saying that they were literally forcing FBI agents to change and pad investigations to better fit into the domestic terrorism box, homegrown extremist box, so that it would look like, and we talked about this last week, it would look like the numbers were far higher than they actually are. So here's your quota for domestic homegrown extremism, like you're trying to get, you know, traffic light violations at the end of the month. Fill this quota. Otherwise... You're in trouble. So that was a letter that came out from, uh, I think Jim Jordan had sent that letter over. We are, we're in possession of information that shows that you guys have been padding and forcing agents to pad the number of homegrown extremists. But the worst part of this is in the middle of it, we were waiting for Merrick Garland to come out to say his three minute long thing. We ended up having to wait for, I don't know, about 40 minutes after he had said he was going to come out and say his thing. And this was, I think it was CBA, ABC News. Listen, listen to this. This is before anything was known about this FBI shooter. It's not playing. We're saying we may hear from the USAG essentially a plea to not take out anger against FBI agents or Department of Justice officials or workers in the field because we have seen at the very least this outcry on social media and we. Okay. We have seen at the very least this outcry on social media because now that's criminal somehow to say to express disdain for people who are assaulting the country in in words is 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 bad. Don't do that. The Ministry of Truth. And then there was this. I've also seen an incident in Ohio that may or may not be related. I should note, we have no sourcing that says it's related at all. But there is somebody who tried to break in. Why would you even continue the sentence after that? Because it's cover your ass. It's like, listen, we, we know where we're going with this. We ha- we're, we're being very responsible and dutiful reporters here. Uh, ha- probably has no relation at all. But isn't <laughs> it coincidental, at least? That the FBI is getting attacked in Cincinnati after these unfounded conspiracy theories are floating around about their intentions, pointing pointedly going after uh, Donald Trump. You know, actually, this is just the latest one. The FBI seems to have been assigned to him exclusively for the last six years. Nobody's above the law, Frank. Nobody. Nobody's above the law. So. This guy, this person that supposedly did all this stuff, he was 42. They released his name now. And he apparently had just started a truth social account on August 1st. Oh, good. for Oh, good. So he's in with the in crowd. You know, I mean, he was a massive Trump fan, was there on January 6th, may have been a homegrown. But he just started a truth social account on August 1st. I better get one of these before I shoot the FBI up. I, I and so they go through all of his posts. Um, he was had 32 followers and he was only following one person. And they go through all of his posts and like what he was talking about and what they forgot to do was crop out the responses. Because whenever he would say something that was like somewhat flake, like like inciting violence or like saying that there should be violence, they were like. 30 responses underneath it saying, why would you say that? That's not what we do. And yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, so they published all that stuff and everybody was like, well, look at what everyone's saying back to him. You loser. Like, I don't even, I don't even know. I I don't think that I, I just don't believe this man is real. I don't. Well, uh, whether it's real or whether it's not, uh, this has been pampered in some way. 
you know, it's crazy. It's been very, um, it's been very quiet, like ish on this one for some reason. And I think the reason is because every single person who saw this called it for what it was immediately. Like I saw the story and I'm like, Oh, of course, of yeah. course. Like, <laughs> I, I just rolled my eyes. I rolled my eyes. Seriously. So I have a, one of the questions I've been asking this entire time was, um, is Mar-a-Lago under constant surveillance, something to that effect? And of course it was. And now the lawyers have come out and said that I, they were actually watching it in real time from New York on CCTV. So Trump wow. was watching it. So they're like, now the attorneys are saying that out loud. And what I think it is, is a flex. We know everything you did. Everything. Try us. So it, it, it's just because this was one of the first rumors that came out that the the all the security was supposed to be off, but it was left on. And the FBI now wants the security tapes. Is that true that they want the security tapes? I have not seen that them asking for the security tapes. They have asked for the security tapes in the past. So they knew that the place was under surveillance. Like they knew he had cameras and stuff and they had asked him to provide that to him to, so they could check who had gone into the room, if anybody had altered anything or whatever before. And he provided it to him because he's like, sure, here you go. Cause he's not doing anything freaking wrong. But John Solomon was on last night with, uh, oops, that's not what I want. John Solomon was on Fox last night and they write articles about this and they make sure to say John Solomon was the, now the most recently appointed, uh, like steward of, of Trump's national archives. You know what this is all about, Frank? All the Spygate docs are in here. All of them. Everyone. Washington Post came out with a story from another quote whistleblower like that came forward, a source that told them that they were looking for the nuclear codes. They thought that he took the nuclear. I was, I was just going to bring that up because that is what is the, the big headlines this morning and trending had nothing. They're not even mentioning Russia they're, they're saying that he still has the nuclear codes. They're also saying that he may have taken. I'm si- taking these. So like, what is he going to do with them? It's not like he can get his hands on the nuclear football, for goodness sakes. I mean, well, really? You can, you can put it on eBay. Oh, true. True. Here are the nuclear codes. I uh, would like to auction them off to the highest. I, I would. That's a, that's a I would love to. I would put the nuclear codes on eBay. They probably change them up every year. You know what he could do? Actually, he could do what they do. He could hide them behind the canvas of a Van Gogh. Yes, yes, yes. You could you could double the uh, double the value. Double the value of Baron Trump's latest uh, chess win paper by putting the nuclear codes hiding in there in the chess win. But um, it's it's just it's ridiculous. Sig- they they also said he took signals intelligence, meaning like transcripts of recorded calls between foreign people and the United States. And that doesn't surprise me if there was signals intelligence in there, because then they've got everybody talking about what the hell they did to him for the past seven years. Yep. Yeah. Either that or just insurance. I mean, you think about, you think about the, the the way that they mischaracterized and turned a, that call with Zelensky into a, into an impeachment yeah, and uh, th- that transcript took the whole damn thing apart. Aside from the fact that they're crazy and they went they went along with it anyway. But not only would I would I would there's a second reason to collect that kind of stuff, and that's just to make sure that you have all the proof of what was actually said on different calls with different leaders, so they can't go off and make up their own James Cagney film script again, like Adam Schiff did. Not only that, but you remember a very overlooked thing is that the Vinman crew with all the rest of them were trying to get their hands on that transcript to alter it. And they couldn't find it because the Trump team had put it somewhere else that it wasn't supposed to be. They'd moved it into a very secure location where those guys couldn't get their hands on it mm. because their whole point the whole time was to alter that transcript and what it had said. And if he didn't do that, he would never have been able to release the actual transcript. But this is a nine minute long interview with with Solomon. But I want to play some of it because I think it's important because he's got he was the one who uh, broke about the uh, the grand jury subpoena that had forced him to turn over stuff before. And 
he he also t- picked up the recusal story that I had spoken about. And also another thing that I had spoken about. Now, could it be coincidence? Sure. Who knows? But it's out there now. So that's good. Here we go. Alman, founder of Just the News. John, thank you for helping us out. Uh, I reckon you saw Merrick Garland's, what was it, three minutes and 30 seconds uh, press conference. Did you think you learned anything from this? Well, we learned that some of the reports that he didn't approve the warrant uh, wasn't true. Uh, I had been told from the beginning it was approved at the top level of the Justice Department. So that's now true. That's a good thing because that's the way the process is supposed to work with especially uh, a special political individual like uh, President Trump who has special privileges uh, as a political figure, free speech figure. So the process seems to work if he's telling us the truth about that. Here are the issues, right? We now know that they use this extraordinarily invasive search after just two months earlier having a very cordial interaction with the president, albeit it was with a grand jury subpoena, but the president complied. He didn't contest it. He could have gone to court like some people do say, I have executive privilege. He didn't. He signaled that day, according to multiple witnesses, that, hey, if you need things from me, I don't know what you're looking for. Go find it. The agents tested that theory right away by asking, all right, can we go see your storage locker? And the lawyer said, sure, let's go down. And they went in the very locker that they would raid eight weeks later. I think that is a question, uh, a, a fact that hasn't been adequately answered. If you had that level of cooperation, why did you have to raid? What the Justice Department is telling me is they have some witness testimony suggesting he was still secreting documents. Uh, but then they went and got the raid on a Friday and they waited to Monday to execute it. They didn't seem to have a sense of urgency after getting the warrant. There's just some things in 35 years of covering the FBI that don't add up here. I think we just got to keep drilling down for facts. I mean, John, the so they waited days, which is weird. Like they, they knew where he was or where he was going to be. They, they they waited anyway. If there was this big urgent like push to get the nuclear codes back, why didn't they go like Friday five minutes after they got the warrant? They're so worried. Uh, right. It it doesn't make any sense. And then here, let's just keep. Question is: Was there any sort of imminent risk that? crucial documents, classified or otherwise, would be destroyed or concealed. Was there any evidence of that? Because from your reporting, which uh, I take as gospel, frankly, I've looked at you and covered you for a long time. From your reporting, Trump was cooperative. He wasn't hostile. He wasn't an adversary. Right up through the middle of June, and then all of a sudden, two months later, bang. I mean, was there a risk? And because that, you know, that might at least help us partially to understand this um, outrageous raid. Yeah, well, let me ask you, I can tell you a few things that government officials told me. This is the government's explanations to me, and I think they're very insightful. I asked them, well, if you, this was such an important thing, you had to raid the president. You get the warrant on Friday. Why do you sleep for the weekend and not come back until Monday? And they said, oh, we wanted to work on making this low impact so people wouldn't see us. If you're waking three days to stage a low-impact raid, you apparently aren't worried about imminent danger to classified documents. They also told me another thing, that the information that the president might still have documents in his possession at the the compound came in weeks ago and that there's been discussions. Apparently, they didn't act very quickly then. It seems to be that the thing that calendared them, that made them to move very quickly, was they were coming up on the 90-day window before the election, and they want to squeeze this in before actions against political figures are generally banned under the attorney general guidelines. I'm not sure the judge has gotten all the information he might have wanted to have on this. We'll have to see when the search warrant comes back, the actual affidavit, if we can get that unsealed, what the justification was. Did the judge get a straight story? And I'm going to say, I don't think it matters whether or not the judge got a straight story, because here is the judge during the Lois Lerner issue. Remember? Listen to this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Lois Lerner. Worse, worse by spades in terms of severity of what she did here. Being oversaw, overseen by Eric Holder cannot be, you know, we won't see due process. Yeah, it's offensive, not necessarily because I happen to know Mr. Cole and and Attorney General Holder personally and and like them personally. It's offensive because I served in the Justice Department under Democratic administrations and Republican administrations, and the same argument was made about both. Being prepared for him. Finally, someone in the administration admits that the destruction of two years of emails from Lois Lerner is fishy. To you, does this pass the smell test? Unfortunately, having been in government a long time, the fact that well, let me put it this way. Incompetence doesn't necessarily lead to criminality. So which, which, which out of those, those two scenarios right there seems more likely to you at this point? 
Uh, within the IRS, probably incompetence. The IRS has one of the most antiquated computer systems in the world. Um, and the fact that emails could have disappeared without Ms. Lerner knowing about it or Ms. Lerner being involved is entirely credible to me. And that, I'm sure, will be her explanation, is that she was a very high-level person in the department. When the subpoena came in from Congress, it was delegated down to people who did this for a living. They were instructed to find everything. Information came back up to her that said, this is what we have. She reported what she was told, and it turns out not to be true. But that's not a crime. If she didn't know it. Oh, wait a second. That's not a crime, Frank. Not at all. Erasing two years worth of emails in your agency that were there, you know, where they're talking about specifically targeting conservatives because of their political beliefs. That's listen. Incompetence isn't a crime, Frank. All right. It's not. Well, incompetence maybe is not a crime. It's in gross negligence. But no, no, that's been recharacterized as extremely careless. Yes. as, As of recent yeah, now it's extremely careless. But that's the judge that signed off on this warrant. You think for, uh, come on, hold on, I'm pausing. So that's supposed to be an unbiased judge who signed uh, the warrant to, to raid Mar-a-Lago, who now all of a sudden Vice News is very concerned about the, uh, the doxing of this judge. Very yeah. Consider yourself raided. <laughs> and look, I have other stuff on this, but I think I just want to play... Um, I want to play the clip about the lawyer talking about how they watched the raid live on television. That was on the news yesterday. And then a Steve Inman, you know who that is? Steve Inman? No. He does the voiceovers of all those like videos where he makes them into like sports calls. Like he'll do like a voiceover of somebody like getting beat up by the cops or like some car crash or like something. And he does it like it's a sports event, but he happens to be a conservative. You'll know when you hear his voice, I think, but here. It's it's kind of funny. I think the folks in New York, president Trump and his family probably had a better view than I did because they had the CCTV that they were able to watch. I, you know, I was stuck in the parking lot there to, you know, collect paper and answer questions, Uh, but they were actually able to see the whole thing. So they, they actually have a better idea of what took place inside. And so so that was another point of controversy that I've read two different completely contrasting reports on. Uh, one said that the, the FBI actually made them turn off all of yeah. the cameras. You're telling me that they didn't. Please elaborate. Well, they, they did. So initially they said you need to turn off all the cameras. And then, you know, of course, the staff complied and said, oh, the FBI is making us turn off the cameras. And then the lawyers jumped in and said, you actually don't have to turn them off. So shortly after they turned them back on. So. Uh, the cameras were only off for a, a very short period of time. That was Christina Bob, Donald Trump's attorney. Only off for a short period of time. Yeah, for like a few minutes in, in the beginning. And the fact that they're telegraphing that is not an accident. They're telling them all we know. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. What, what, what they know is the is the is the mystery. It's just a shot across the bow. Everybody's kind of like, what? Yeah, like what I'm sure have? those agents are like, um, uh oh. Because I don't know, I'm just hypothesizing completely on this. But do you think that the only cameras in that place were on CCTV? Yeah, uh, I, no, I don't know. Like, where else would they be? I don't know. I mean, they could have had cameras anywhere that maybe they didn't realize were there or whatever. Who knows? Who knows? I'm just the next the next two months are pretty critical. Oh, for, for sure. Pretty critical. I, I I'm telling you, I. Uh, uh, hmm. Who knows what's going to come out? But here's a little bit of uh, righteous indignation. And John Voight had a video series that he put out this morning, too. Kind of brought tears to my eyes, which was a little bit strange for me. But it was uh, it was something else. And then we'll switch topics here. Okay. It's it's Steve Inman doing uh, his his commentary on A.G. Garland's not standing by while you question the FBI's integrity. Let me address recent unfounded attacks on the professionalism of the FBI unfounded. and Justice Department agents and prosecutors. I will not stand by silently when their integrity is unfairly attacked. Excuse my language to everybody out there, but who the fuck do you think you are? The thought police? You're going to tell us to not question the integrity of the FBI while your entire Democratic Party questions the integrity of police departments? You're not going to let us question the integrity of the FBI. The men and women of the FBI and the Justice Department 
are dedicated, patriotic public servants. Yeah. They're going to label you a terrorist. They're going to label me a terrorist. They're going to label everybody a terrorist who disagrees with the FBI. Tell me that's not some third world freaking communism bullshit. Every day, they protect the American people from violent crime, terrorism. Well, if that was true, then there would be more Antifa members in jail, not constantly getting in the revolving door and getting out the next day. If the FBI was doing their job, those terrorists would have been taken off the streets and buildings wouldn't have been burned down for no freaking reason. I personally approve the decision to seek a search warrant in this matter. And until you find something, then I'll continue to question the integrity of the FBI. Now, I don't doubt for a second that they'll find something in quotes. I really don't. I don't doubt it that they'll come out and say, look what we found. They've got to do something. They're going to look like such idiots if nothing comes of this. Well, as they say, the FBI can indict a ham sandwich, especially in a D.C. court. And there are so many laws on the books. So many of them are superfluous. They they are they have. They have had decades of dust collecting on them. And this is just a guy that they really, really want to take down. So I, I, I don't know. I just think that I think anybody else that's looking at this objectively can see that they are committed. They are committed to delivering a big fish. They're committed to it. They, I know they don't want the George Papadopoulos anymore and uh, they want Donald Trump. So it's, yeah, the, the more that you open up your life to these people, the more they're going to twist something into a in, into a crime. It's just the way it is. They they want you gone. They're going to get it. So I I'd like to. I just hope I hope that there's just some unseen and unknowable counter move that's out there, or else it's really just gonna, he's going to have to walk. He's going to have to walk across the coals. Yeah. And see what happens on the other side. I mean. No, I don't think anything unless they really do start pushing nuclear bullshit. They keep. Oh, I'm sorry. I cursed. No, that's OK. Uh, this one's not going on the radio. <laughs> OK, uh, I the not if they it, it's one thing to say, well, he took home way too many documents and we need to whatever. And it's like a, a some kind of a misdemeanor, but still disqualifying from running for public office again. That's if not going to hold up either, by the way. OK, what the disqualification? Yeah, yeah. Because it's it's in it's at it's at odds with the Constitution. Even the left is saying that now. Okay, so then they they just want to smear him. So then here's the thing. Then, if that's the case, and he's not going to face disqualification or jail time, but they just want to get a photo op with him in handcuffs. Man, oh man, are they are are, are, he's already how hasn't he raised the record amount of money already in the last week? Yep. I, I, I then what the hell's the point? I, I that's the thing. Like, why would you do this? Why would Christopher Ray and Merrick Garland get together and say, yeah, go ahead, go raid the former president's house. I, it's just all weird. That is very weird. It, it's, it, and that's just going by if, what you say. If there really is no chance of disqualification or jail time and it, and it could only ever just result in a photo op with handcuffs. How many documents are in the Biden, uh, the uh, Obama archives? I don't think there's any. I don't think they've even digitized one single document yet. Not one. So (sighs) moving along, I guess. Did you hear what Twitter did yesterday? Yep. Yep. They're just making sure that we're fortified. Elections are very important. You need to be fortified. Yeah, it's they're very important. And Wendy, Wendy wrote a column yesterday. If you want to chuckle and just laugh at the sheer stupidity of it all, I, I would read it. It's called Civic Integrity. What would we ever do without Twitter safety? She says, Twitter is the champion of democracy and every American with the announcement of its newest propaganda. I mean, user policies. Thank goodness Twitter's getting in front of these elections with its latest iteration of quote uh, of censoring. I mean, civic integrity to help Americans navigate the 2022 midterms. We're so fortunate to have leaders in big tech who put their principles on the line to destroy. I mean, protect the safety of online speech. Yeah, um, it's incredible that they've even localized their efforts. (laughs) I know you read You read about that. There's obviously they're doing some things across the board for higher profile elections, but. They've even um, customized their platform so that local elections can be um, 
can be more tightly monitored by people in that that region. It, it's, Which I, I guess you can just put a VPN on and say I'm from that region and go jump into the fray. Express but, VPN. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Express VPN. Rig elections. <laughs> I'm sure that's exactly what they want. Rig elections with Express VPN today. The, with their special dark flight discount. Or counter the rigging of elections. Yes, yes. I'm just kidding, ladies and gentlemen, of course. <laughs> the best part of this whole charade operation is their unbiased approach to the whole thing. They've gone to great lengths to engage a special brand of diverse groups in their efforts to define the priority challenges and issues. They're so transparently dedicated to the safety and well-being of all Americans. All Americans. It is important to ensure that those who would advise on such an important project would recognize the dangers of white supremacy and privilege. After all, the pesky First Amendment came from the heads of a bunch of old white men when we didn't have the Internet. Yep, that got around pretty quick. Yeah, and not only that, but they're talking about how all can- candidates, you know, need the same level playing field and blah, blah, blah. But all candidates are most of a lot of them are banned. So where's that level level playing field? Twitter. Ridiculous. Then what about it? Then um, we had another one come out yesterday. This one is something it's called the irrefutable. um, Where is it? The irrefutable failure of COVID-19 vaccines. And somebody had emailed us um, a 92 page presentation that they had put together that they wanted to remain anonymous about, which is fine. It's in this article. It is using sourced like their own data to show the problems with the vaccine. So it's 92 slides of I I went through and I I checked it. All the sourcings there. You can click on the links and check it out yourself. The, The absolute abject failure of this. I think that what Denmark came out and said that you're not allowed to get this vaccine anymore. If you're under the age of 18, they banned it for kids. Hey, California, take note. Yeah, right. Um, The World Health Organization reports 2.7 million adverse reactions as of December 14th, 2021. Europe's UDRA vigilance reports 42,000 deaths and 3.9 million injuries from the vaccines. 893,000 adverse effects for Pfizer as of April 9th. 800 and um, hold on. 273,000 adverse effects for Moderna. Um, 472,000 adverse events for AstraZeneca. This is in Europe. And what's the, what's the total uh, supposed death toll for COVID-19? Oh gosh, I don't know. We don't really know what it is. They they stopped doing all the, uh, the, the, the ceremonies and the vigils after every hundred thousand now. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the crazy thing is yesterday, the CDC basically said, you know, COVID is no more. You guys can do whatever the hell you want. There's no more social distancing guidelines. There's no more masking requirements. There's no more um, cohort separation. There's no more quarantine necessary. Just go out and live your lives. Like what happens when you get the flu? They came out yesterday with their new guidance. And it just it it blows my it blows my mind. And there's slides in here that says the um, you know, the largest outbreaks are among those with the highest vaccination rates with the sourcing behind it. Um a ton of information about that and examples of that it's details that the criminal behavior of the pharmaceutical company companies, uh, the, the trials and how poorly designed they were. It's just, it's a masterpiece, 92 slides of a masterpiece that everybody can download for free and, and use to, you know, use to their liking. I'm also hearing reports, Frank, that what we've been talking about for a long time, how we've been saying that, the shoe will really drop when the insurance companies start raising their ugly heads and like roaring about all the claims they're paying out on for like disability and stuff. I'm surprised that hasn't happened already with all the news of um, uh, of, of the, the life insurance claims. Yeah, apparently it is actually happening. It's 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 trickling out now. Like people are starting to talk about it from the industry that the insurance agencies, insurance industry is going to big pharma. And saying, all right, guys, you need to pony some up here because we can't continue to pay out like this. And it's your fault. But it hasn't hit like the the mainstream. There hasn't been any like documentation that I can grab onto and say, look, but it's ha- it's happening. Yeah, it's happening. So 
slowly but surely it's getting more and more acceptable. Like Steve Kirsch was on Tucker two nights ago. And what he said it was a fill in host for Tucker. But what he said on Tucker is here. I'm going to find it real quick because, it, it, you know, it was anecdotal stuff ish. But if anybody's been on the vaccine, it's been Kirsch. He's a, he was a huge Democrat donor, huge Democrat donor. And um, hold on, I'm looking for it. Too many chats in one room. That's the problem. Yeah. Um, but he, he was he was a Democrat and may, may not be anymore. Um, <laughs> and, and he he was basically saying how the only person that would even do anything he would he, after donating all this money and all of these things. Here it is. The only thing that the only people that would do anything were, were John, Ron Johnson. Here is the hit on Tucker. Shit. Steve Kirsch is an entrepreneur, self-made success story. Enjoys us how to explain his reasoning. Steve, when did the Democratic Party start going south with you? Well, when they violated my 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 trust, Brian, um, you know, they told the, the agencies, the FDA, the CDC, the NIH said that these vaccines were safe and effective. And when I started seeing my friends die and be injured and I started looking at the data, uh, there was no question that. This vaccine is the most dangerous vaccine ever created by man. It is a thousand times more deadly than the smallpox vaccine, and that's too unsafe for people to use. And I could not get even a single minute in front of any Democratic congressman. The best I got was that Ro Khanna uh, gave me a, to a staff member who took two months to get back to me. And when I asked if she had read what I had sent her, she said, no, it disagreed with the CDC. So it's not right. And so I didn't really read it. So, and so that's as far as I ever got. And, but you didn't stop there. You did your own research. What did you find? What, what, what did you find was effective? And what was the reaction when you put it out there? Well, and what I found was uh, that hundreds of thousands of Americans have been killed by this vaccine and millions have been injured. And, you know, they're, uh, clearly you are more likely to be injured or dead from the vaccine than if you were unvaccinated. So what they're saying and what the reality is, is completely opposite. This is on Fox News on Tucker. I know. Wow. So, you know, obviously they all came for him afterwards, but you can't. It's getting to the point again. We've t- it took way too freaking long, way too long for this to be the talking point on Fox. While all their hosts are walking around vaccinated. That's the thing is like a lot of these people, all of them basically took the shot. Like, and then we're boosted. And now they're, they're learning that like, they're basically ticking time bombs. There was a study that came out um, a couple days ago about, it was a really well done study of several hundred young kids, like in their teens, where they did a whole, a whole workup before the shots, like all their markers, echocardiograms, heart rate, everything, all the, all the um, EKGs, all kinds of stuff. Then they gave them the vaccine. Then they did it again. And 20% of them, or 25% of them, I think it was, I'm going off the top of my head now, had myocarditis, pericarditis, some kind of a horrible heart issue after the shots. That, that never goes away. You can't, you can't heal from that. I know. And I've been and I've been seeing more and more uh, recorded phone calls between angry family members of injured people and pharmacists and 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 doctors. It's it's incredible. I want to look for that. Actually, I know what you're talking about. It was that guy It was the father whose wife took the son in Canada to get a vaccine without him knowing. And then he had he had pericarditis or myocarditis. I'm not sure which one. And then he called the pharmacy. Yeah, it was it was myocarditis. Pharmacist flat out says on the phone, I, it, well, we didn't want to make her nervous about, you know, getting the shot. Yeah. He, he went he went out of his mind and he said the same exact thing. You know, this doesn't go away. I got it here. Do you want to listen to some? Sure. This is, I looked around when I saw this. I wanted to make sure it wasn't BS, but I but I saw a, a lot of reputable people sharing it. And so I, I thought it was. I thought it was legit. Have you seen anything that makes it seem not legit? No. And, and you know, what makes it, first of all, you can hear him. He, he obviously sounds very frustrated. And even, it's very clear it's, it's legitimate. I, I don't doubt it for a second. The other thing that makes it more legitimate for me is that he says in the call, this is being recorded because I'm in a securities and exchange sort of position, financial transactions, and every single thing that I say needs to be recorded. 
for my job. So he tells her it's being recorded. Yeah. Here. Yeah, hi. Are you a pharmacist? Yes, how can I help? Yeah, hey, I've got a question. My wife, um, against my wishes, brought my son, seven-year-old son in there yesterday, a few days ago for a COVID jab. And he's now in the hospital with myocarditis. Um, and I was obviously not very happy with you guys or with my wife. Um, she told me that she was not told that was a potential side effect. So why wouldn't you have told her that? Okay. Um, sorry. Um, so it's quite a rare um, side effect as well. No, it's not. That, no, it's yeah. not because I've been doing research. It's common. In the U.S., there's tens of thousands of them reported at the CDC site. So why are you not telling parents this? Um, uh, we might scare the parents and they don't want to get their child vaccinated. Wow. <laughs> wow. So we're just ripping informed consent off the table. We don't want to scare you into not getting the shot because you could die from it. So you might... Yeah, we, we don't want you to have we don't want you to have a rough week with a head cold. Oh let's just uh, let's let's take a gamble here. We we wouldn't want your week to be ruined if you got COVID. I'm gonna keep playing it because you can hear him. He's just like what? Like what? Yeah. So so you don't want to scare the parents with something that is actually happening that's happened to my kid. Are you out of your mind? Are you out of your mind? You don't want to scare them. You need to give them the right information so they can make a proper decision. What is wrong with you? You don't want to scare them. I'm recording this conversation as well, and this is going to a lawyer next. Thank you for admitting that. So why don't you tell them? When when someone comes in there and says, hey, what can go wrong? What do you say? Sore arm? Have you um, seen the amount of dead people? Have you seen it? Has your wife asked? She doesn't have to ask. She doesn't have to ask. You're supposed to tell her. It's not a requirement that you ask. Well, she didn't ask. We're not going to tell her. She didn't ask. We don't tell. It's like it's a, uh, I don't know. Another so, shot in the arm. I saw this one. I saw, uh, you saw the Australian guy. Who went and beat the hell out of the car. Yeah, he's broke broke car window. He's like shirtless, jacked up. He's pissed off. Somebody in his family had gotten uh, hurt or killed from the from the shot. And I mean, obviously, you know, I mean, he's it's a he's really, really uh, passionate and out of his mind with grief. So he went after the the uh, the doctor. He was in his car, broke the the window, screaming all that stuff. I mean, p- people are yeah. It's, you know, I don't care what kind of news bulletins they put out there. People's personal experiences are starting to counter all that and nothing trumps personal experience. No, if if somebody very close to you is injured or killed because of this or more than one person close to you is injured or killed because of this and you don't know what else to do with yourself. Like there was a comment in my telegram yesterday after I posted this um, piece and the woman lost her son to covid. And her her gripe wasn't with necessarily the the vaccines because he was never vaccinated. Her gripe was with the people. And I have this this happening to me everywhere now where people are saying there is no such thing as viruses. Viruses don't exist. And covid doesn't exist because viruses don't exist and they've never sequenced the entire genome. So it doesn't exist. And I don't I'm not a scientist to the point where I understand how they sequence, um, you know, the genetic code of viruses to, to be able to meaningfully participate in that debate. But it's almost like the people that are pushing the no virus theory are like vegans. You know how vegans are? Yeah. Like they get angry with you. Like if you, if you even talk about meat, they like scream at you and and denounce you. That's how these folks respond. Just like, just like flat earthers can't stand when you talk about space. Yes, precisely. That's that's the, that's the issue I have lately. I can't talk about space on the show without getting grief. Well, you know, it's crazy. As an aside, I was watching Big Brother last night and they had like their longest endurance competition of the season is standing on this wall and it tilts and whoever falls off last is the head of household for the next week. But they made this one conspiracy themed. 
So like it was like a mockery of all the conspiracy theories. And the first one was Flat Earth. They were mocking it incessantly on the show. And then the second one was chemtrails. <laughs> I didn't see any more. That was the, the- well, mockery doesn't make it. I don't I don't necessarily like mockery. I, I, I would like to see I would like to see an even keel uh, untilted debate. Yeah. Or, or, or dialectic. And I'd like to sit back in an audience and listen to two people who are at the the top of their understanding of their of their theory, of their cause. And I, I just want to be able to sit back and, and observe this without the, the, the moderator, without the the hosting party at all. There, there being no advantages given to anyone. I wish that we had that on a number of topics, especially even with the, the virus one. Yeah. I mean, for I, I mean, I had that. I had a uh, at least a a, a shallow conversation. Not to say shallow, like it was worthless, but we didn't go into it too deep about that. I think that was where the whole terrain theory comes in about whether or not uh, viruses are are real, or if if it's you know if it's uh, the virus that gets you, or if it's the terrain, your body, the uh, the faltering of that. Then again, I guess if your body's, I think mean, it could fend off viruses and. We have, but we have so many viruses that live inside of us innately. Yes, they do. And, and so that's the whole that's the whole thing. There is is the natural state to have these things inside of us. But if your if your body falters, if the terrain falters, then any number of these things can consume you. I, well, the pro- the problem I have with the whole thing is that like immunology. What is it then? Like, are there only bacteria? Like, what? What is it? I don't know. I don't. I'm gonna get a bunch of angry emails from people. Their virus doesn't exist. I don't want. I don't want to hear it. Like, I'll find a debate that I can settle into. The, the whole thing. All I'm saying is, I was very, very ill with something randomly all of a sudden after feeling well for a very long time, and I don't know what it was. But what you're doing when you say that this virus doesn't exist is you're basically slapping people in the face who have lost loved ones to something. In the, at the same time period as a bunch of other people on the planet were also losing their loved ones to something. And it seemed to be all the same thing. So whatever you want to say, coming at somebody who lost a relative in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic and telling them that their experience isn't real is just not the best way to go. Well, I think that I think to, to parse that up a little bit more, you have, yes, people were coming down with something. Uh, we also know that a lot of the things that people were coming down with were previously known, but recategorized. Yeah. Yeah. And that a lot of the death that was, was resulting, especially in 2020 prior to the availability of any shots had to do with other protocol with the, the, uh, the remdesivir and the, and the, the the vent, uh, the ventilation. Yep. I mean, we had doctors and nurses from the beginning coming out saying we need to stop this. The protocol is hurting people. And uh, there's no reason why we need to induce coma for somebody who is just who's feeling really, really lousy. Um, and then there are people who naturally are so weak and already uh, unable to fend off and and um, keep themselves strong that usually they, they can bite the dust just when in normal flu season. But that so, would mean that there was actually a flu virus, you see. That's, what I'm, well, see, that's the next thing I was going to say. I understand that people just there's people out there that believe that. COVID-19 doesn't exist, but to say that the flu virus and the flu season and people getting head colds, which is a, a, a virus. No, nope. that doesn't. I, I <laughs> That's don't what under- I'm saying. I don't get it. Like, I can't get on board with it. I can't. Well, like I said, that's why it's good, because whether it's flat earth or the existence or non-existence of viruses, I personally can't prove it one way or another. Yep. So that's why I would love to just be in an audience and watch a very responsibly crafted dialectic between two people on opposing sides of an issue talk without there being mic drop moments or or, uh, you know, what's his name? Uh, uh, Chris Wallace being the moderator clearly on one person's side and the other. You know, that's what I would like to see on a number of issues. No, agreed. And, you know, that the problem is, is that a lot of the people that would debate the other side of the issue. Yes, viruses exist. Yes, COVID-19 exists. And this is why you don't have to sequence the entire thing to know it are so badgered and pestered to submit to that debate that they're turned off by it completely and don't want to do it. They're Like, why would I why would I sit down with you? You're you're nasty. Like and that's the problem. People get so vociferous and nasty about their their argument that the lack of acceptance to debate then becomes that they're right. Yeah. 
And, and, you know, it just gets gross. So this poor woman was in my, I don't even remember why I started telling you this, but this poor woman was in my comment section yesterday, like so upset. And she's like, please do an article explaining why COVID-19 is real. And I'm like, that is way above my pay grade. I'm not a scientist. Yeah. But she was, uh, she's being dismissed everywhere. And she's like, I just kind of want to die because nobody will listen to me about how to treat this or that blood clots can come from it and how to get around it. And she's trying to help other people in her son's name. And she's being like, shooed away by everybody. Like, you think COVID-19 is real? Like, it's terrible. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to close out the show with this clip from the Boston Children's Hospital. (laughs) I'm just going to play it. Gender-affirming hysterectomy is very similar to most hysterectomies that occur. A hysterectomy itself is the removal of the uterus, the cervix, which is the opening of the uterus, and the fallopian tubes, which are attached to the sides of the uterus. Some gender-affirming hysterectomies will also include the removal of the ovaries, but that's technically a separate procedure called a bilateral oophorectomy. And not every gender-affirming hysterectomy includes that, and people who are getting gender-affirming hysterectomies do not have to have their ovaries removed. Uh, why, why do they all talk like that? Because they are not human. They are, ro- they are robots. They are biologically, they are, they are just, they're bio computers who have been completely, first of all, to have to say it over and over again, gender affirming hysterectomy. You are not affirming your gender when you remove your ovaries. Is the exact, you are you are t- you are forcibly removing the the main and only uh, identifying factor aside from your chromosomes it's, of you being a woman. And this is they're talking about teenagers, Frank. Teenagers. Uh, horrendous. Horrendous. There's a whole article on it. I'll put it in the uh, I have show people. Notes. I have women in my family who've gotten hysterectomies, but that was after they had their children and because they had really bad cyst problems and. They just they they just wanted the uh, they just wanted the, the pain to be over. That was me. Yeah, I get and that uh, endometriosis. I mean, all kinds but, of problems. All types of shit. But you know, I that's the only the only thing and I heard if, aside from something that might have been more severe, like if there was God forbid cancer or something. But I knew that this was an option for for people for a number of women's issues. But it's everybody the last I know option. Yes, Frank. I know. Well, and to I, think that people are thinking about this in their teens because they are part of some kind of a trend. I mean, when geez, I, I mentally this was pro- that was probably the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life. Mentally was make the decision to have a hysterectomy. It was terrible. Like it affected me so psychologically that I was losing that part of myself. So it was it was not an easy decision to make. And I don't know, I guess you could argue that these people want it out for the same reason, but they're going to change their mind. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah, can't no, get it back. It, it would be tragic if somebody in their teens has a really serious issue and it, and they say, well, listen, we, we found, you know, something or other that's malignant. It's throughout your, it's throughout your, your, your ovaries, your fallopian tubes are infected. I don't think, I don't think you understand how serious this is. It may take your life. So you have to make a decision here and that could be tragic, but maybe a, a teenager has had to make that decision at one point and just decide, okay, well, I still want to be a mother, but I'll, I'll adopt and let's just save my life and let's do what we have to do. Mm. But the fact that this is because of a social trend. And she can't even say gender affirming, gender affirming, considering to me. Gender affirming. You're not affirming anything. Mm-hmm. It's gender pretending. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you're mutilating yourself permanently for something that is so contemporary. God, I, I just I wish this this was just a fashion thing and people were wearing, you know, ridiculous bell bottoms again and we hey. can we can grow through it and <laughs> but it's just it's this is so disconcerting. Disconcerting that this is this is a supposed authority figure that is speaking this way like she is a traumatized teenager. Yeah, it's terrible. She's a surgeon. Anyway, right. well that's it for today. You oh, have been thank you. You have been listening to the Dark Delight Podcast with DGI, frankly, and Beans. You can hear us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2.30 Eastern Time on TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and RadioInfluence.com. We will be back on Monday. Later. Later. 
I'm Jerry P. Tuck, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist, so thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. <laughs>